Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. again everybody i am rob mcnichol welcome to the hooked on podcast how to be great today you may be listening to us on the walk you may be on your way back to work you may be commuting however but there is a very good chance you are listening to this podcast in your house and that means it's time it's time to stampede through an international incident and play some mind games and who better to do it with he's a good friend he's a better enemy and it'll be a cold day in hell before i tell him anything else but he is show me his cool bench how you doing paul final four yes that's, that's why i'm how you doing mate you're all right hello, hello everybody host, see. <laughs> that was just you having in your house to rest hey yes. susan's ting see it doesn't work does it just, <laughs> just shouting these things out <laughs> Breakdown! Breakdown! <laughs> oh, I do need. Actually, I do. I do need to give you a little bit. Oh, I do need to, to give you a little bit of a warning. Did, did I say I was going to give you a little warning before we carry on here? Just be, just beware, beware of the dog. Go on. But uh, other than that, just uh, enjoy the podcast. Here we oh. go. Can you tell what the topic is today, everybody? Have you guessed yet? Yes. Given that the uh, in your house returns to our screens, uh, it's the twenty-fifth anniversary of the first in your house or thereabouts. Uh, so. WWE are rewarding us with an NXT takeover with an In Your House theme. I'm quite looking forward to seeing how exactly they go about doing that. But we thought we would join in the fun. So here today on How To Be Great, we are discussing In Your House. And we will go into the more detailed uh, explanation of what our topic is going to be uh, very, very shortly. But before we do, Paul, we need to address last week, don't we? We want to get straight into the, uh, the nuts and bolts of last week. If you haven't heard last week's podcast yet, you can download it now and all of our back catalogue of How To Be Great podcasts. We have gone through plenty of topics. I'm going to forget these at some point, but we've done the uh, the best dropkick in the business. We've done who's been the best ladder match performer. We've done... Uh, what was our third What was our third week? Oh, the, the music, wasn't it? We did the best opening two seconds. Best theme opening music, two, two yeah. seconds of theme music. And then last week, an intriguing topic. We were trying to guess... Well, not guess, but we were trying to say what was the best WrestleMania that's ever existed if you only take into account the best two matches of every show. If you've not yet listened to the uh, one of our podcasts, what Paul and I are here for is to narrow it down to five. So 36 WrestleManias, we hammered that down to five, and then we put out the poll for everyone else to make their judgment on what is the winner in that category. So, so far our winners, the best dropkick, Mr. Perfect, the best ladder match performer, Jeff Hardy, the best opening two seconds of a theme music for Stone Cold, Steve Austin. Now we're about to find out what is the fourth uh, entrant into our How To Be Great uh, Hall of Fame, as it were. Really looking forward to hearing this. I don't, I don't know what the answer is going to be. Um, Paul, I don't know if you want to run us through the five, tell us what the five were, and then tell us what the winner is. Do it as you will, my friend. Well, why don't you give me your guess? What would, what well, let's remind everyone what the five were. 
Okay, so the five uh, available, let me just get these in the right order. So they are WrestleManias 3, 10, 19, 20, and 21. They were the five well, on think, the shortlist. I think as we talked about last week, I think we put a lot into how much we love WrestleManias 17 through to 21. Um, that, fi- that five we did. burst. So I feel if you or I were picking, we probably would go for one of the ones in that little gap in... 19, 20, 21 of those three but I think, and it's a very fair shout, I think the people will have spoken on Wrestlemania 10 I think the two matches, Bret and Owen and Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon I think are iconic enough to have really settled into people's heads, they are absolutely identifiable with Wrestlemania 10 I think some of the other manias people might go, Wrestlemania 21 is that the one with Batista and Triple H, is that the one with Kurt and Sean? Is that the one with Jericho? I think they're not necessarily definable as those manias, whereas 10 absolutely is. So I think people will have said WrestleMania 10, but who knows? Uh, well, as it happens, mate, you're absolutely right. Yeah, WrestleMania 10 won out with 46% of the vote. Um, it actually got, well, it is, it actually got double the second ranked. Um, entry which is Wrestlemania 19 okay. uh, and then where, and then behind that was Wrestlemania 3 and then a long way behind those three were Wrestlemania 20 and 21 so that closed out I thought five. it was the, that's a fair choice yeah. I have absolutely no argument with that whatsoever then I think like I said I even, even Wrestlemania 3 which I think was one that only just really snuck into our list but I think Wrestlemania 3 again those matches are iconically Wrestlemania 3 do you know what I mean I don't think there's a I think you could really forensically go well. Is Shawn Michaels versus um, uh, Kurt Angle better than Macho Man versus uh, Steamboat? And then is the other match better than... Uh, you could start doing that, but I think people will just go Mania 3, Hogan, Andre, Savage, Steamboat, bang. And I think it's it's got that identifiable yep. synergy, you know, the, 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 the association with the WrestleMania as well as the quality. Um, but if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, then you'll, you'll realise, you know you won't realise that Paul and I had such a job trying to narrow it down to five. It was really quite difficult to do so. So I think there was a lot of, you know, contenders that didn't even make it into the five that probably would have done okay in the voting. Uh, and I don't think any of the any of the five that we'd have suggested, if any of them are the one, I don't think I'd have had a real uh, a real issue with it. Yeah, exactly. It really wasn't. You know, it was a very, very high standard. It really was. wasn't it? Um, for voting purposes, what we're going to do in a second, we're going to introduce our new topic. We're going to come up with our top five. And at the end of the podcast, by the time we've recorded this uh, and uploaded it, it should be uh, on Wednesday, June the, what would that be, 4th? Um, and it will go live. By that point, yep. by the time you're listening to this, you should be able to go onto the website and it's hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash vote. Don't go yet because you haven't heard the five yet, but listen to the podcast and then at the end of it, go to that website and you'll be able to place your vote. And indeed, go to that website anyway because uh, we're not going to go overly into plug mode this week, but we're very happy with hookedonwrestling.co.uk. There's lots of uh, features and all sorts of things up there. I'm sure there'll be some other in-your-house goodies, no doubt. I'm sure you and Liam have cocked, cooked up some uh, some good IYH. It doesn't really work IYH, does it, as a little uh, acronym? But I'm sure you've found some um, some good much. content up there, and there'll be uh, there's plenty for people to uh, to have a little look at. Yeah, there is. We're going to do a few little in-your-house features in the next few days to ramp up. We're going to do obviously a preview of the the show itself, 
Um, and then while you're having a look at that, just have a look at some of the bits and bobs. It's it's a nice little site. We're quite proud of it so far. Um, we've got interviews up there with all sorts of people already. Um, more to come. I just think, you know, you can do a lot worse. I'm assuming most people listening to this have already checked out, and thank you for that. But if you haven't, give it a, give it a go. And if you already have, go back. Keep seeing what's there. There's new content. Yeah, every you just said about day. the interviews there. Actually, I think that's a good point to make, isn't it? There's the for a, a site which is so in its infancy, really. We've only been going a few weeks here. For uh, Hooked on Wrestling's been going a lot longer, but Hooked on Wrestling.co.uk, it's really quite new. But yeah, a few interviews have popped up this week. I saw um, uh, TNA's Willie, Willie Mack is up yeah. there, and uh, one of our new um, signees to the website, uh, Leanne. Uh, her interview first first interviews up this week as well. I believe it's going up soon. Is that is that right? It's already up now. It's up now, yeah. She um, she interviewed Drew McIntyre for us at the weekend, which is pretty damn good, really, isn't it? You know, you get the WWE champion within your first month. Um, that was pretty awesome. And, yeah, it was, a, it was a part of a press conference. We were invited to be in a press conference. It was very, all very last minute. But um, I suspect we were... We were a replacement for someone, which is fine <laughs> at this <laughs> at this stage. But there's only about there's only about twelve companies there, so we were we were in in rarefied air. Um, yeah, so all, it's been a really good. And then what's the other one we've got? We've got a uh, Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes as well. So um, yep, thank you know we've got we've got across the gamut. We've got Impact, WWE, and AEW. So let's plenty see what's more next, to eh? come. Plenty more to come. We've got some interesting. We, uh, Indeed. Almost every other day at the moment, there's a conversation, uh, either Paul ringing me to tell me something, or me coming up with an idea and just working it up, but we can go, why don't we do this in a few weeks' time? Or why don't we do this at the end of the year? And it's like, we're in that sort of early stage of coming up with things and planning things, and it's well, we're very excited about it. I don't know about anyone else, but I'm sure other people are uh, starting to get to grips with it. Certainly the, uh, the numbers are suggesting good things at the moment, so thank you everybody for supporting the site. Anyway, we won't keep on about it. No more plugging, Indeed. except for one thing we just want to make sure that you are aware of, uh, which is plenty of you that listen to this podcast will also be part of our uh, weekly quiz. Uh, which takes place uh, has been taking place on a Friday, uh, but we are moving this week to Sunday night, and that's going to be a permanent home. So from now on, uh, this coming Sunday, which is I'm rubbish with my dates. Is it the, is it the eighth of June? June? Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yes, um, it so is, from yeah. Sunday the eighth of June. Oh, the same night as what am I saying? This is the same night as the takeover. Um, so if you want to, if you're going to stay up and you're going to watch the whole. Um, in your house NXT thing come and join us first what time are we starting Paul 8 o'clock we're starting so 8 o'clock mate yep that's our usual kickoff time 8 o'clock on time Sunday now. night come and join us for our fun weekly quiz usually takes somewhere between an hour and an hour and a half give or take uh, and um, yeah all good fun just a nice little way of getting, getting your evening going uh, and then there'll be time to uh, get a bit of sustenance or something and then kick on with the uh, the show if you're staying up to watch it or even if you're just wanting to get in the mood for that kind of thing. Lots more to talk about about the quiz uh, in terms of what, fut- what is coming up in the future. We've got a big project, a big, big Hooked on Wrestling Civil War going on uh, with quiz teams being built up and played against each other. But you yes. need to tune into the quiz to find out about that. We're not going to uh, rattle into that now, but some more details to come on Sunday about the Hooked on Wrestling Quiz Civil War. It is me versus him. That's what it is. Good friends, better enemies. <laughs> better enemies. <laughs> there we go. Ideal. <sighs> right. So on to the on to the quotes. We should do today. some in your housing, shouldn't we? Um, 
In Your House started uh, in 1995. It was a. I say this because there'll be plenty of people listening that were either not watching wrestling at that time, or maybe not even on the planet at that time. Actually, it'd be interesting to see how many uh, how many wrestlers are there on the roster that might be wrestling on Sunday night that weren't even born in 1995. I bet there's a couple. I bet there's a few wrestlers in their early 20s that uh, were not even. Not even I bet there's. I bet there's. Well, I don't think Velveteen Dream yeah, was There'll be a one. few that will be uh, in their younger 20s that will not be, uh, not have been around for the early days of NXT. Sorry, early days of In Your House. So if you were not, basically the uh, the In Your House concept was a little bit of a, an interim podcast, interim podcast, listen to me, an interim pay-per-view uh, between bigger shows. So you would get the what was originally uh, a smaller set of shows, so your Raw Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. Then you added the King of the Ring to that mix. But you were still only really doing five a year. So you would have at least a couple of months between big shows. The, the In Your House concept came along to bridge the gap a little bit. So you were getting a bigger, almost monthly show, but it was not necessarily a big three-hour extravaganza involving the whole card. It would usually be a two-hour job, smaller card, smaller price point, um, still some of your stars on there but not absolutely everything so it was a slightly different production a slightly different way of doing things um, I think I saw into there were 27 I believe in total um, in your house events uh, yes this will be officially the 28th one there were 27 right? finishing finishing wow, okay. the Valentine's Day Massacre uh, which you may remember as being the uh, the match where it was Stone Cold versus Vince and we saw the debut of uh, the big show and all that um, but what happened was there was 16 in your house events, which were called in your house, 16 for example, and then the subtitle. So that was in your house 16 yeah, yeah. Canadian Stampede. From 17 onwards, it became Ground Zero in your house, Bad Blood in your house. So they stopped numbering the in your houses. They started making the uh, the subtitle, the title, as it were, in your house would fade away. And in my eyes, I kind of think of them separately. So when I think of, for example, Bad Blood, 1997, Hell in a Cell, Sean vs. Taker, debut of Kane, that's gotta be Kane! I don't think of that as an in-your-house. I know it absolutely is, and we will include it when we're doing this podcast. But to me, Paul, there's two separate eras of in-your-house. Do you see what I mean by that? I kind of think once Canadian Stampede is done, it it changes my perception of in-your-house. Yeah, I completely agree. It's um, it became well, they switched the branding round as well quite later on. Instead of, for instance, in your house, bad blood. I don't know if this is the exact one, but it became bad blood in your house. So they deliberately downplayed that for a for a good few, well, I guess, year or so, a couple of years before it was phased out altogether in '99. So yeah, you're right. It, it became they became more stylized individual events, and we even had you know a lot of the pay per view names we we associate with later down the line even today stuff like uh, Backlash Judgment Day things like that were born of any yeah, house plenty of them indeed um, it was, there was No Way Out of Texas which of course just got shortened to No Way Out uh, Unforgiven Over the Edge Fully Loaded Judgment Day yeah all of them started life as an In Your House event yep. and then uh, went on further anyway we sort of set the scene for the In Your House I'm sure most of you know about it and lots of you can uh, go back and, and look over the, the gaps that you don't have but here's what we're going to talk about today so I think most familiar to, to everybody, Shawn Michaels is certainly in promos anyway, uh, leading up to certain matches, referring to himself as Mr. WrestleMania. He is certainly someone that you would think of. When you think of 
WrestleMania. Actually, I think you probably think of Undertaker first, but Sean wouldn't be very far behind. Also, Hulk Hogan would come into that bracket. But there's certain people that you think of. When you think of Royal Rumbles, you think of certain people. When it's maybe Summer Slams, certainly NXT would have its own identity. What about who is, you know, Mr. Um, Starcade? You know, is that is that Ric Flair? Is it Dusty Rhodes? There's lots of people that would be, you know, really thought of that would work with their own uh, pay-per-view sort of style and style of match and, and all sorts of things. But we thought about the fact that In Your House really did have its own identity. The set looked different. The feel of the show was different. They produced it in a slightly different way. They built up to it in a slightly different way. And because it was around for an, a fixed period of time, around about five years or so, from 95 to 99 uh, inclusively, four and a bit years anyway, we decided we'd try and find out who is Mr. In Your House. And that is our only stipulation for this. That is the way we're putting it. We are saying who is Mr. In your house. So last week with WrestleMania, we put lots of caveats on that. It's two matches. It's the best two matches. Before that, we said theme music, and it's a is it original, and is it the first two, and first two seconds, and all that. We we thought about lots of things, but this week we've kind of been a bit more laissez-faire with it, haven't we? Who is Mister in your house? And you can interpret yes. that any yeah. way you want. Yeah, of course. You know. As you said quite rightly about Shawn Michaels being Mr. WrestleMania, it's not like he's got the best win-loss record. It's not about that, is it? It's about who do you associate with with those events. And I think, you know, there's it's not as clear-cut as you'd imagine. It's, you know, there's a couple of names that are going to spring straight to mind. Um, and I think there's a bit more depth. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of guys who had really strong in your house. In fact, in your houses in general, you know, they were mixed, but there was a lot more that went on in those events than you probably imagined. Yeah, absolutely right. think? And, uh, Sometimes, you know, you can go, you can skim through the main events, for example, of the shows, but a lot of the time there were, um, you know, other things going on underneath. And there's certainly, we did talk about saying what's the best in your house match, um, but we thought there were two or three very obvious choices that would dominate. We also thought about saying what was the best in your house show. But again, similar, you, those matches that you, you think about you just add, you know, add the show to them, and then that would be the the conversation. So we decided to change it ever so slightly, and again, we will yes. we will probably interpret this in our own way. We do not have a fixed set of uh, of ways of looking at it, but I would certainly say, Paul, um, it's not necessarily who had the best matches at NXT, uh, uh, in your house, although it will certainly factor in heavily. But sometimes it's just about the identity of the person and the show. Yeah, exactly. You know, those things were a staple of the mid to late 90s. So obviously the guys from that era who stood out are going to stand out on this. And with a few exceptions, that's going to be probably the shortlist. But there are certain guys that just had, had a, for whatever reason, a lot of big moments at these events. And they, like you say, they might not have always been just because they're great matches, because there is more to wrestling than just putting on fantastic matches. But... Um, but I think the incidents that took place at these things, we, you know, we could obviously the, the Hell in a Cell debut of Kane, um, some great, you know, the the, the, the Mick Foley Shawn Michaels match. I won't go into too many because yeah. we'll cover them later. But there was a lot of quality and a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, content, I suppose, for want of a better word, to hang okay, out. Okay, here's on. here's where I'm going to start. I'm going to say here's the first person I want to talk about. I'm going to say actually, folks, I've got a much shorter shortlist this week than most what I do is I come in with a I'm sure Paul does the same but I note up a little shortlist that I think I'm going to come up what would be my five and what would be my next ones to chat about on the podcast 
and a lot of weeks when we've done best drop kick and we've done the theme music you have a five and then maybe two or three others that you might feature in your five but a good 15 20 25 that you might talk about obviously with the wrestlemanias last week we went through individually my long list as it were to get down to the five is not very long this week you know i don't we've to me we've not got too many people to no. knock out however i think it's a competitive list so we're probably going to keep it a little bit shorter this week not do as many names as we normally do so if we do leave out a couple of the people that you think should be included sorry but we think it's a very competitive top seven or eight really so we're probably going to go through those and the one i want to start with if you have no objections is a man that featured in one of the matches that you just said about let's talk about the in your house history of the undertaker obviously obviously hell in the cell jumps out at you a brand new concept of a well certainly a tweaked concept of match there had actually been cage matches with ceilings on before that match but certainly for wwe it was a brand new match for that era it was new the way that they did it the whole production with sean and taker let's face it that would have been a classic had kane not appeared wouldn't it that was however they'd have made the finish that was a classic match yes and then the addition of kane at the end you know just completely took it to another level it started off a you know uh, a whole, you know, extraordinary um, angle over many years with with the Brothers of Destruction. So that that match stands out on its own. So I think Hell in a Cell, I think Undertaker. There's been a couple of um, Buried Alive match, at least one Buried Alive match at uh, uh, at an In Your House. And if there's been and two. if I whiz through, I'm not going to go through them all. But if I whiz through main events of In Your House, Undertaker pops up again and again and again. But you know what? When you first said this topic to me, let's do an in-your-house thing, I did not immediately think Undertaker. He is one that I've had to look at and go, oh, yeah. Okay. I'm not, I'm not certain I thought of Undertaker first. If we were going on the first five that I thought of, I'm not sure he was in that five. How do you feel about Undertaker and in-your-house? But, but maybe he should. I'm not saying he shouldn't. That's absolutely up for discussion. That's what's... I was leading the discussion. But what, what, how did you did you think of him immediately? Where does he feature in your reckoning? I did. Well, I put him in there. Yeah, obviously, the first thing I think of when I think of it is is the bad blood hell in a cell. So for me, that is enough to put him in the conversation alone. But then when you go through it, yeah, absolutely, he was he was part of my part of my thinking. You know, the, the other the other ones that spring to mind as as real highlights are the. Uh, the four-way at Final Four, along with Brett, Austin, and Vader. And by the way, there's going to be a lot of repetition. You know, a lot of the guys we're going to be talking about wrestle each other quite a lot in your house. So, you know, forgive us for mentioning matches multiple times. I don't really think you'll be helped in this instance. But there was that one, and then the other one that always I always remember very fondly, um, and it gets somewhat overlooked because of the how good the main event for that particular show was. But Tate Undertaker versus Vader at Canadian Stampede was. Uh, was a wonderful match for uh, for the WWE, WWF title at that point. I believe, was it not Undertaker's last successful pay-per-view title defence? Oh, crikey. Really? Could have been. When, when, when was it? When, when was anyway. it? Exactly what was the... Uh... No, of that, sorry, sorry. Of, of that reign. Of that reign. It was, uh, it was summer 2000... And, uh, sorry, summer 1997. Yeah, okay, so, I think it was the July... So he would... So, he would, he would lose at SummerSlam so, with the, the um, chair shot. Yeah, cool. Correct, correct. Um, and then the other... What's the other one I've got down here? Oh, yeah, the Buried Alive match with Mankind. Not the greatest match ever, but again, very memorable, unique match. Really sort of 
really to me that rivalry was was just a phenomenal I know it you know carried on most famously with the Hell in a Cell 98 but to me the real rivalry was 96 90, yeah, well yeah 96 wasn't it really that Wrestlemania 2 Survivor Series period um, and this was a part of that and I thought it was I thought it was but it was great. It was it was an iconic match for that for that year. So that alone, to me, puts the Undertaker in the conversation. Yes, I mean when you when certainly when you go through the uh, the the list of the matches, he comes up again and again and again. And you're quite right. That Hell in a Cell match, almost on its own, uh, might qualify him. The the interesting discussion I always think with Undertaker and Mankind. Um, and I use the, the term Mankind pointedly there, not necessarily Mick Foley, but the original Mankind character. I'd love to see... I mean, I imagine everyone listening to this has seen The Undertaker documentary. I don't think I need to start shilling the network for them uh, and say, go and watch it. But if you haven't seen it, just man alive, go and watch it. Um, but what I would well, like to see... You know, I know The Undertaker did the, 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 the Broken Skull sessions with Austin, but I'd like to see some... Uh, legacy content with Undertaker. Do you know, what I mean, I'd really like to see the network do old stuff with him. You know, go through his years or go through, you know, some older feuds or older matches and stuff. I'd love to see some of his old opinions of, you know, matches in years gone by. Because I always think, you know, Undertaker comes along in 1990, Survivor Series 1990, and then for the first five or five and a bit years of his existence, um, we've got this zombie guy. Essentially, we've talked about this on the podcast before. It was hard for Undertaker to have good matches because he <laughs> yeah, was essentially yeah. playing a zombie. Um, Undertaker changed fundamentally the character changed really for the first time when Paul Bearer turned his back on him that's the first time Undertaker yep. really goes a Agreed. little bit human and starts to get annoyed. before that you know he's he's dying against Yokozuna and coming back and, and it's everything's a little bit supernatural I know it would continue to be supernatural but for me it changes with the the Paul Bearer uh, incident at SummerSlam but the whole feud of that was that that was the first time that Undertaker got an opponent not the first time but one of the first times where he got an opponent that was a legitimately talented wrestler that could put together good matches but also had that psychological element that he could battle Undertaker with and it wasn't being a monster it wasn't being Bundy it wasn't being Giant Gonzalez it wasn't being anyone or Kamala you know, it wasn't that sort of. It wasn't about the size. It was about the well. Let's say it, mind games, and that was what the whole mankind character was predicated around. And so, I have a huge fondness for Undertaker versus Mankind as a feud, because I think it's the best thing that ever happened to Mark Calloway. I think without Mick Foley, I'm, yep. oh, clearly he'd have still been a huge legend. So he'd have been over, but would he have been pegged as just this big guy that had lumbering big guy matches? When he wrestled Mick Foley as Mankind. I think that's the first time people started to go, he's quite good, this guy. He can actually wrestle. It's not a gimmick. And I think that's hugely important. And the fact that some of those matches did happen at, in your house, it's an important feud for the time. And so it has to be part of the discussion. Yeah. Yeah, you're dead, you're dead right. He made that 96 period was like, the, obviously he made some cosmetic changes before that, but it was the first time we really started to come out of his of his sort of dead man character and that and mankind did all of that you know there's you know taker has said that um that mankind or mick foley is his most important opponent you and for for all the reasons you just said and to me that you know the pinnacle of that well 
there's a there's a whole bunch of them really but you got the, you got the buried alive match you got the you got the interference of mind games and it was just all round part of that era of the you most identify in your house with so yeah i think i think that's an important so important part of the what would we call it the midlife of in your house i suppose year two i'm not sure but anyway uh yeah that's it's 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 hugely part. It's hugely important. So Undertaker goes into the discussion. Um, we've naturally moved on to talking about Mick. We've talked. We've naturally Definitely. moved on to talking about Mick. Um, and I think it's mankind as well, isn't it? It's not really Mick Foley for the In Your House era. Um, there's probably you'll probably find it. There's a Cactus Jack in there somewhere, or there's a Dude Love in there somewhere, almost undoubtedly. But I feel like well, mankind of the of the Mick Foley I... characters is the one I most think about with uh, within Your House. Not to contradict you, but I would say there's some really important moments of dude love. You know, those two matches with Steve Austin right after WrestleMania 18. No, I'm, not both dude not, love. I'm not saying there's nothing, but I'm saying that. And I, th- um, and I think he, I'm fairly certain he was a Cactus Jack in a, in a in a team match as well somewhere. So I'm not saying it didn't appear, but I'm saying that to me the bigger moments for Mick are, are as mankind in this particular era for me. Well, certainly, certainly the biggest. You know, obviously the the best match. Mick Foley says he had with Shawn Michaels at Mind Games great match if you haven't seen it before it showed what Foley could do for the first time so yeah that was his definite highlight Um, and that was Mankind but there's not to me in my opinion there's not much else other than the stuff we discussed with Taker that stands out as much as those dude love matches do Uh, you know I would almost say you know because he was first Austin's first challenger and bear in mind, it's the, the first challenger for the most important WWE champion of the last 30 years. Um, so I'd say they're, they're really key moments and great matches as well, especially the one where we had sort of the whole Vince and the Stooges all sort of opposing him. Was it, Which one was that? That was the second one. So that would have been over the edge, I think. Um, and that was, you know, to me, to me, that was as important as the, as the uh, Mind Games one just in a different way obviously the mind games one was for how good the match was and it brought mankind to the top table fully and showed he <laughs> was probably through, the, through the top but table the, um, but the one but through the top table yeah you're not wrong from from high up but the but yeah I'd say that the, the one the most sort of iconic the most important for the business as a whole was with those two matches with Steve Austin yeah to be honest I mean I wouldn't I'm not going to war with you on that one it's not something I disagree with um, particularly I think it's my instinctive latent disregard for later in your houses I think I've already mentioned it but to me the in your house concept is is the earlier shows my instinct goes to those shows so when you say to me Austin and, and Dude Love I think of those being at Unforgiven or Over the Edge I don't think of them being in your house shows now like I say I, I accept that they are and I accept they're up for discussion in this topic just because I've forgotten that they were in your houses doesn't mean it's uh, it's not part of the conversation but I think going back to what I said before about Mankind, the mankind persona being the more important of the Foley ones in this discussion, that's probably why I think it because I think, I think in your house mind games, but I don't think Unforgiven in your house. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, 100. I, I, you know, it's easy to forget how long in your house actually went. Like I looked back on, I think I did a column quite recently for the website. And I look back on all in your houses, and even when you just mentioned now that there was, was it 27 in your houses you said yeah, earlier? 
that made me yeah that made me sort of recoil and I've been looking at them just earlier today like and I was like really 27 um but uh but yeah I think it's very easy to forget that they went on to 99 and that they were still in your houses because they bite like like we said earlier the, the identity um of in your house had been watered down so much by then that yeah it's it's funny enough the, the last one I sort of remember being in in your house was breakdown in September 1998 I don't know why but I do remember that one maybe because the name breakdown didn't stick so maybe in your house did stick more in my mind well um, that's number 24 and I remember that one being up in your house but no, that's number 24 oh right Sorry, okay well I suppose, yeah, I suppose it would be yeah I suppose it would that's be late. basically it went to 16 Canadian stem stampede was 16 was the in your house 16 I, mean, yes, I don't think they yeah. branded it as in your house 16 I think they, you know, they branded it as in your house but it happens to be number 16 and then the next one is ground zero in your house so that's when they flip it and that's also when they change the formula to a longer show you know so once once it went to uh, ground zero once they changed the the, uh, the 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 titling of it that's when they changed the price point it's when they changed the, the size of it it's you know so they became regular pay-per-views i think because by by right. that point you know they've been doing it for a couple of years wcw were doing monthly pay-per-views by then so Everyone just went head to head and or month to month anyway, and and didn't have the, uh, the, the it, it lost what the original in your house concept was for, and that's not a criticism. That's just an observation of, of how things developed, and like I say, probably an, an explanation me trying to wriggle out of forgetting one or two things. But it is funny how in my head, in your house Canadian Stampede is very much an in your house show, but Bad Blood isn't, and that's you know two in your houses later. It's only three or four months later. And yet, I, I in my head have have, have, have those differently because of how I remember things. I think a lot of things, you know, whenever you look back on certain things, memory is a very very strange thing about how you uh, you remember things. You don't necessarily remember what happened. You remember your memory of what happened. If you see what I'm saying. And when WWE repeat things, the funny thing is, is that Canadian Stampede, which we're going to talk about, you know, more when we get onto a couple of other people. Um, that we'll refer to in, in In Your House folklore. But the thing is, the Canadian Stampede is occasionally referred to, but the bad blood thing is referred to absolutely loads. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I'm saying that Michael's doing the, the fall on you know onto the uh, Spanish announce table, and the, of course that's got to be Kane, are such massive moments that pop up, despite the fact that Canadian Stampede was an unbelievable pay-per-view with great matches and an insane crowd, a wonderful main event, a, you know, extraordinary result if you're, you know, in any way fond of the Hart family. It's not actually important. Do you know what I mean? It's it, all it all it did. The match didn't achieve anything. Obviously, Owen beats Austin, but it's there's not a there's not a that wasn't historically important. If you took that away, the storyline would carry on the same way that it would do. Do you see what I'm saying by that? It's not a it's not a point on the graph that's important in terms uh, of the plot. Yeah. It, but it's a great moment in terms of a memory. But actually, took it away. The stories of, you know, Breton, the uh, foundation against America, and Owen against Austin, or whatever it might be, would all carry on as they were. I, I think that's a, a slight distinction that's that's worth noting. Yeah, it's interesting actually. That is, a, I've never thought of it in those terms before. But you're absolutely. It was. It was kind of like. Um... Star Wars fans or comic book fans would call it non-canon almost, wouldn't they? Even to the point where the, the heel and face roles were famously reversed, as they were in Canada. It was as if it was, took place completely outside of normal storyline continuity. Uh, it was, I'm, I'm not saying it was non-canon, but I'm saying that there are sometimes... Like, take, a, take a series of Friends, for example. 
You know, there are some episodes that are, that are very, very funny, but they're self-contained and they could fit in any series at any time or at any point in that particular series. They don't affect the plot. But there are certain ones where, you know, Chandler and Monica get together or Ross gets a new job or Phoebe moves house or, you know, something happens that it actually affects the plot. This doesn't make it a better or worse show. It just means that some of the shows are plotty and some of them are, you know, kind of self-contained. What I'm saying is, is if, if Canadian Stampede had never happened that storyline kind of just carries on. But if Bad Blood had never happened, then you wouldn't get Kane. Let, let's hear one of your locks then. Who is someone we can put in the top five and we, we know that they're going to be there? Yeah, okay. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We will go with the guy that got the most votes. So the most mentioned, should I say, when we put this thread out on social media. It wasn't a landslide. It was quite well spread generally, but this guy was definitely more than the rest. Uh, Shawn okay. Michaels. Um, and I suppose it's easy to see why, isn't it? When you look back at his track record, I've got, I've actually done uncharacteristically, I've done some decent prep for this uh, podcast, and I've got a list here of all his matches from In Your House, I believe. I don't think I've missed any out. I might have missed a, if there's any stinkers, I might have knocked them on the head. But I think I've got them all. Do you want to, do you want me to just list them out yep, real quick? Far away. Okay, so we got first of all his first appearance at In Your House two. Um, was against Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental title. Um, he took on the next time out, he was with Diesel against uh, Yokozuna and, well, British Bulldog slash Owen Hart in that double title match. A little rated gem, actually. I'd forgotten about this until I went to look at it, but in your house six, he took on Owen Hart, which I believe was a number one contenders match for the... Uh, for the uh, WWE title I could be wrong on that but anyway it was Sean against Owen in your house Sean against Owen Hart in your house 6 then he challenged uh, sorry he defended his title his world title for the first time against Diesel at Good Friends Better Enemies defended against the Bulldog at Beware of Dog uh, took on Mankind at Mind Games in a stormer of a match uh, again, defended the title again against Ken Shamrock at D-Generation X um, then he oh well then we come to the, the most famous one of all, probably. There was a pair of matches against Taker in uh, late 97 that we've missed off, I've missed off here. So it was um, obviously ground zero when they went to that double count out where Taker did the tope dive for the first time. And then obviously their Hell in a Cell at Bad Blood, which is arguably the greatest wrestling match ever. So that's quite a list. It's a fair... Uh, it's a fair is, that, is that his last one, I suppose? It would be because after that he, gets, he, he retires, doesn't he, because of the... Uh... The back injury yeah, following the rumble. Yeah, he was supposed to, that's right. Yeah, he was supposed to be at No Way Out in Texas, wasn't he? He was booked in that eight-man tag, but he was replaced by uh, Savio as, Vega. As came up on the Hooked on Wrestling quiz a couple of weeks ago. Indeed. I think this indeed. is probably a good time, actually, to go to the comments. You just mentioned that uh, uh, there were a lot of comments about Sean. So let's just have a little look in our... Uh, just a selection from the, uh, the comments that came through on Facebook. Uh, Francis says um, HBK was Mr. In Your House. He was in a lot of matches during that era, stealing the show every pay-per-view. Uh, there's a few more. Let me just see. Uh, I'm just trying to find the short ones. Um, Paul Oxnamex, HBK, he had his fingers in most things then. Even if he wasn't in the main event, he was in and around it, especially for the DX In Your House. Um, let me just, uh, Gavin Conyers also says that's to go with Shawn Michaels in your house versus Jeff was a brilliant match Lee Gibson I think of HBK when it comes to these uh, I'm chopping some of these tweets down uh, or um, messages down because of uh, other references but yeah they're, they're just a, uh, a little selection of ones that have mentioned about Shawn although while I'm at it I should also say because Mick Foley was the last person we've spoken about um, 
there's plenty of messages for him. Certainly, in the, in, probably in a little bit more detail. Actually, Lewis Brown says, "In that era, I'd go for Mick Foley. There were memorable Undertaker moments: the killer match with Michaels, the feud with Austin Post Mania, and then with The Rock. He certainly helped grow some stars on In Your House events." Uh, Owen Fothergill makes a good point. He says on Foley's stand-up show on the WWE Network a few years ago, he made a joke that if Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania, then Foley is Mr. In Your House. There they are. That's the, uh, um, you know, that's the exact topic we're talking about, isn't it? Um, but on to Sean. I mean, yeah, I, I just think yep. it's, you know, I think when you, if we were to do the best match of the In Your House era, I think we would undoubtedly have the Hell in the Cell match and the Mind Games match in the shake-up, wouldn't we? You know, with, with, without a doubt, yeah, without definitely. being forensic about going through every single match of every single show, those two come up. I think the three matches, really, that come up, for it, the entire entirety of In Your House, the three matches that come up are those two and the ten-man tag at the Stampede. I think, I think they I are agree. the three. I would start to bring in a few more that I think are really good matches. Um, but I think the three standout matches, for various reasons, I don't think the 10-man tag is a classic of, you know, in-ring wrestling, but, you know, for the feeling it had, for the crowd reaction, for the emotion, etc., it's so memorable. And after all, that's what wrestling is all about, isn't it? It's the, it's the reaction. Um, you know, I, I, so I think Sean, you know, Sean is not even a... It's not even a debate. That era... I think when you think about that era, you think about Sean, don't you? You know, when you think about... Certainly 95 yep. to 97... Uh, you think about him in that era, and it would, in, in, you know, undoubtedly be uh, a place where he has to be factored in into this top five. And I think, yeah, I think he goes in at number one of the ones we've spoken about so far. And I don't think there's any way we're going to shift him from that uh, from that top five. Sh- should we do the? Should we do what, in my opinion, is the other lock? Should we talk about the other lock? Well, I, I think the other lock is Brett. Um, I think that yes. um, certainly I thought they were roughly equal in terms of the. Uh, the messages that came in again I'll go to the Facebook page um, Ebbett Gates says Brett classic matches against Okushi Davy Boy the final four Canadian Stampede and underrated matches against Pierre the Pirates Matt Barber for me Brett Hart sure. getting the first one on VHS as a birthday present for my granddad oh nice memory from Matt there but he he goes to Brett um, there's a few others um, Jason Graham simply says that was Brett's era um, Richard Yian Davis Brett Hart definitely Sean Walkington says that era is Brett or Michaels Colin John McCartney, Bret Hart. So there's, you know, Mike Paxton with the uh, the iconic gif of uh, the camera zooming into Brett's face. Do you remember that? The kid shouting, Brett! Of up course, the, uh, yeah. Up the aisleway or up the uh, the ring. And he's slowly walking back towards him. That's a real iconic little uh, interstitial, that, isn't it? But yeah, I think, again, uh, listen, I am biased. As you know, Bret Hart's my favourite wrestler of all time. Um... To me, when you say, if genuinely, if you said to me, who would you consider Mr. In Your House, I would say Bret Hart. Now, that might be because he's my guy, but I think it is because, to me, Bret was the epitome of these sorts of shows, these sorts of matches. Of that, Because, especially the early ones, Sean wasn't on all of them. It felt, feels to me like Bret was. Now, he probably wasn't. They're probably on about, about equal. But it felt to me, it felt to me yeah. like when, uh, you know, I think... I think Sean got given better opponents than Bret Hart on these shows. And certainly more high-profile, better workers and whatever. And they are good matches. The ones you're just mentioning with Jeff Jarrett, with Owen Hart, you know, they are undoubtedly good matches. But I think Bret got given, you know, harder issues to work with. You know, he got given Hakushi and Jean-Pierre Lafitte and Jerry Lawler and Isaac Yankum and... Oh, that might not have been on a, in your house right enough, but... 
Um, you know, I think that Brett was given some bad opponents around the area, and he still made great matches out of them. And I, I would always say that my theory would be, if you took every wrestler that's ever lived and got their best ten matches and said, who's got the best ten matches of every wrestler that's ever lived, I think it would be Shawn Michaels. And I think if you've got the best 100 matches of every wrestler that's ever lived and said, who's got the best 100 matches, I think it would be Bret Hart. I think Brett had the best ability to take virtually anybody he was working with and just create something amazing out of it. And and I'm not saying Sean didn't. Sean is unbelievably talented and you know they're probably 1 and 1A, one but I just think Brett had that little bit more about him that he could take someone that was bad and make them good or bad and make them okay, someone okay and make them good, someone good and make them great. Sometimes Michael's needed a great dance partner, but that's by by no means a, a real real dig on on Sean. Um, it's more just a uh, my preference for Brett in terms of his style, in terms of his, his work ethic. I always felt like you were going to get something off him. Um, and I think in terms of these in your houses, I do think of those sorts of matches, the Hakushis, the, the Jean-Pierre Lafitte's, um, that they're the, the little workhorse match in the middle. It's actually, a, funnily enough, the fact that in your house was brought in to be a bit of a WCW competitor, not competitor, but to, to you know mimic their expansion, you know what WCW were doing at the time were the you know the fantastic undercards and the slightly more lumbering main events. Well, you think of the early in your houses and it's Diesel versus Sid in some absolute stinkers, but on the undercard you have got a Brett versus Hakushi or a Shawn Michaels versus Jeff Jarrett, and they're kind of doing that work, aren't they? They're doing the work un- underneath and doing that, and then plus, um, you know they they do shine in other places as well. What I will give you is in, in terms of Sean is, abs- is absolutely those two matches as individual matches are probably better than any match Brett had on any of those in your houses oh. the, I think I think the best yeah. Brett Hart match on an in your house and singles match is probably his match with Bulldog um, which is uh, which I think is underrated because whenever you talk Brett Bulldog you immediately think of 92 at Wembley Stadium which is a yes. better match but the Brett Bulldog match from the uh, one of the early in your houses which is, is, I think it's about number five or six I think is an absolute Cracker! It's such a good match. It's what really is. It an really is, yeah. Beauty, um, and the Brett standard was so high for those sorts of matches, and really, really pulled things out. And then, of course, there's the stampede and the whole, you know, the the build to that. So, I mean, listen, our job is not to play off Sean, Sean versus Brett here, is it? I think, I think if you were voting, you'd vote Sean, and I think if I was voting, I'd vote Brett. But I don't think that's really. Yeah what this show is for is it we're, we're all we're trying to do is, is is sort of top five not a top one we don't really need to have a you know a, a, to quote Brett yeah. a, a knockdown drag out about uh, about who would be number one I think they are absolute to me they're absolutely one and two I'm not trying to prejudice the audience too much because obviously they've got five to choose from but to me this is probably going to be a bit of a two horse race I would suggest so. And I think you're, you know, what you're saying about Bret Hart having less to work with, I think it's really interesting, obviously, because this period, when did he lose the title to Diesel? That was late 95, uh, He didn't, didn't lose it? it to Diesel. Uh, didn't lose it to Diesel. Yeah. He lost it to Bob Backlund, who then lost it to Diesel. So, yeah. Oh, my apologies. Yeah, so, course, Survivor, Se- yes, and that was Survivor, Survivor Series 94, yeah, and then so, Diesel wins it the following week. So, yeah, going into 95. So, yeah, yeah, of course. So, this this coincides with that period where he, where start of it, where he, where he doesn't have that time. And he definitely went through that through that period of time where he was Mr. Upper Mid-Card, yeah. I guess, where he was, like say, he was given all these, um, all these opponents to work with and make the best of. And I think it depends who you listen to us with any of these things, but you could look at it as either a demotion because Vince McMahon wanted to shine the spotlight on Shawn Michaels, or you could look at it that he trusted Bret Hart so much 
that he could elevate guys further down the card and almost make a double main event, whereas he probably didn't think Shawn Michaels had the same willingness, the same work ethic, the well, same can I just humility, say, Can I just almost. say, that, that's not a fair comparison, because the year that Brett didn't have the title, Diesel was the champ. Shawn Michaels was not really positioned any... No, any he no, wasn't no. positioned any higher than Brett, necessarily. No, but what I'm saying is once Sean had reached that mountaintop, you can't imagine him Absolutely coming not. down. You know, after his first reign as champion, you know, you can't imagine him getting to, say, in your house in late 96 and turning around to Shawn Michaels and say, all right, Shawn Michaels, you're going to go and wrestle Doug yeah. Furness um, and, and, make it, and, and make a great issue out of it and make us a great match. Whereas Bret Hart, I feel, and obviously I'm, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm veering on the territory of getting in of, of gossip and backstage and talking about stuff that we have absolutely no idea of the real story but you get the sense that he would look at that as a bit of a mission yeah. um, and he would he would take pride in bringing those guys up and making something special with them whereas with Shawn Michaels from what we know from what he would say of himself never mind anybody else at that time he would sulk yeah. throw his toys out the pram if he turned up at all he'd throw in a stinker because he would right. see it as an insult so I th- my, you know I'm going to choose the positive side and 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 show and decide that Bret Hart was put down there to elevate you know to to bring a spike to that part of the card and he did wonderfully you know like you know those matches with Jean-Pierre Lafitte and Hakushi obviously stand out as as examples of where he took talent that was nowhere near the top and just had really good wrestling matches with it okay the angles might not have been all that um I'm you know nobody's getting too excited over a pirate stealing Bret Hart's jacket um, but the the matches themselves were first class, and um, I think you'd, I think you're on the money with the with the ten versus hundred comparison. I think Bret Hart was a wrestler's wrestler, and and he you, you well, look at his first title reign. I'm I'm veering off topic here, but I I really fondly remember his first title reign. It started in 1992 because of the variety mm-hmm. of opponents. You know, one week he'd be wrestling Virgil, the next he'd be going against Papa Shango or Skinner or uh, the Berserker. And they were all very, very watchable matches. And obviously, it's a different era, but it just it just speaks for the difference between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. And I can understand why people would would have a preference for I, Bret um, on that. And I think yeah, that, that's. I that's think where when we're people at. talk about the all-time great actors, and they talk about someone like a Robert De Niro, that can wring every sort of ounce out of a, a role and make it amazing and iconic and whatever. But he's been in Meet the Fockers. Do you know what I mean? It's like Robert De Niro is Shawn Michaels. You know, there's, there's that sort of, you know, if you want an absolute classic all-time greatest ever performance, you go to Shawn Michaels. But if you want something... What's Rob, Rob. It was Robert De Niro and Meet the Fockers. That's what I said. You said no, Al Pacino, didn't Niro. you? I said Fuck, I'm sorry. You might have thought I was going to say Al Pacino, but I didn't. I said, I said Robert De Niro. Okay. Shame on me. Anyway, Sorry, guys. I'll, I'll, I'll reset. If you want that all-time great, unbelievable match, you go to Sean. You want that iconic Oscar-winning performance, you go to Robert De Niro. If you want the most solid, memorable, great storytelling uh, film, you go to Tom Hanks. And you go to Bret Hart for the wrestling version. To me, Re- Bret is wrestling's Tom Hanks. Every film you've ever seen Tom Hanks in, he's likeable, he's... Is into the character. He's superb, and sometimes the film's a bit iffy. But Tom Hanks is always tremendous. He never lets you down, and his body of work. When you start going through the things that Tom Hanks has been in, you go, "Crikey!" Every film he's in, he's amazing, and it's a good film. But has he ever been in the greatest film of all time? 
he's been bloody close to it with Forrest Gump or something like that, or Toy Story even, but maybe it's not quite just there. just that next level down. And I love Forrest Gump and I love Bret Hart, but it's you know those two things have never been same said at the same time. But to to me, Bret Hart <laughs> is the Tom Hanks. Do you know what I mean? The absolutely Mister Reliable, never lets you down. I don't think anyone's got a better body of work film-wise than Tom Hanks. And you're a much more film guy than I am. But can you think... Uh, of, can you tell me anybody that. that's had like 20 top films like Tom Hanks has? No, not in terms of the mainstream. Like you, you, the, the comparison is a, is a great one, actually. Because, yeah, he's he's the absolute master of the straddling great performances and, um, and blockbusters. Um so Just Brett's like in, Chorn's um, in, no doubt. Taker and Foley uh, in the conversation, right? I think I've got three more, uh, three more wrestlers to put into the conversation myself. Uh, you might have some more. Um, let's go with someone I just mentioned, a Brett opponent. There, he might not be immediately thought of as a Mister in your house. I certainly don't think he would win this poll, but I think in terms of putting in the top five, I'd like to offer up the British Bulldog. And you'd have no arguments from me because he's on my list also. Um, it was, you know, this was obviously after his, uh, you know, runners in, you know, his big moment at Wembley, but it coincided with a really interesting period of his career when he played a, a heel throughout. I think he was a heel throughout the whole time that he was on in your house. Well, it depends wrong, on how you how you view the uh, the Heart Foundation, of course. But it's certainly up until the Heart Foundation. True. Um, true. But. A very interesting role, I always felt, the Bulldog. I always felt like he was a heel with... A, he needed to be a heel with the group. He was a heel with Owen. You know, he was heel with Camp Cornette. You know, there was... The, I, I actually think this is the best period of his career. You know, I... I obviously, the matches the top one. Uh, obviously, that era is a you know, great era when he was well-known and, and so forth. But And obviously, there's the tag stuff with, with Dynamite. But I actually prefer this era for, for Bulldog for Davy Boy I think he was in his probably his best place mentally I'm not certain of that because I didn't know the man but I think a lot of his best stuff is in this era I love him and Owen as a team I think they were absolutely great great fun um, but Bulldog always seemed to me the lot more likeable of the two and that when they were going to do the, the breakup at some point and then they, they never really did it but if they were ever going to do it I always felt the Bulldog was going to be the babyface do you know what I mean he was always the one that was going to the fans really wanted to cheer Davy Boy and not Owen yeah, quite. And and they did sort of before the Heart Foundation came back together, they did go there yeah. slightly, didn't they? And Bulldog was positioned as the face. And so I think yeah, I yeah, think you're Brett right. absolutely right. Brett then came Say and that. you know united them all. Um, but in terms of yeah. the uh, uh, in terms of him in him in this era, you've got matches with Owen, you've got matches with Camp Cornet, but you did have the singles match with him and um, and Brett. He's also has has matches in there with Sean. He was always a good opponent for Sean. They, those two always gelled well for for whatever reason. Um, and I just think there's lots of other you know times where he he's around and he's involved in things. Obviously, there's the tag match with the uh, the whole um, re replacing Owen against Yokozuna. There's that bit as well. So he was always featured highly. He was always featured in, in interesting positions. And I don't think he let anyone down. I think he stepped up and had the best matches of his career around about this era. Um, and like I say, the fans, I don't think the fans ever really wanted to wanted to boo him. Although this is an era of a bit more, com certainly the first couple of years of In Your House, is an era of a bit more compliance as far as fans were concerned. They did tend to boo the heels and cheer the baby faces, whomever they were. Um, obviously that changed in 97 with um, or 96-97 with Austin but uh, I think in the first couple of years of it but Bulldog was someone around about the time if you remember 
in the uh, going into the Royal Rumble in 1997 when Austin is a heel he's starting to get a few cheers but he is still a heel there's obviously that famous moment where he looks up because Brett's coming down the aisle where you know what I mean don't you when Brett's music hits and Austin is sitting sitting on the turnbuckle I do but there's also a moment in that match yep. where Bulldog comes out earlier on where Bulldog comes out and those two had started to have a little bit of a thing Austin and Bulldog where they were attacking one another on things like Shotgun Saturday Night and, and whatnot. and Bulldog was very much you know, they were both heels. They were both very much heels in that era. But the fans were cheering Davey when he was attacking Austin. You know, in, an, in a matchup between two heels, even though, even though really? Austin was starting to become, you know, I, I, I hate the term tweener, but he was starting to get cheered by a certain element. And we'd know by WrestleMania we'd have the double turn with Brett. But honestly, go back and watch the Rumble 97. When, hit, when it's Austin and Bulldog, the fans are cheering for Davey Boy. They wanted to cheer him. And wow. then, if you recall, that's the one where Owen throws him out of the rumble. And you think you're going to go with the Owen Bulldog you know, schism because of the, you know, he, he threw me out. And so, uh, <laughs> it's, I think it's a really, really interesting... 96, 97 for... And well, 95, 96 and 97 for, uh, for Davey Boy mm. is, a, is a fascinating uh, case study of those few years. And, and I think it's easily the best of his career, despite what happened in 1992 in that one night in London. Yeah, I, I agree. Best, certainly, you know, obviously the best moment is undisputed, possibly the most undisputed for any wrestler ever. Um, but as, in terms of full body of work, yeah, you did right. Like the tag team was great. Just on in your house alone, he's got some some corking matches. I'm just seeing if I've, I don't know if I've written down all the Bulldogs matches. Actually, I haven't. But um, yeah, there was a, there was a match against Diesel in your house four. That was also a pretty. You know, I think it was just after his turn actually, and that was a pretty damn good match too considering the caliber he was also obviously in that canadian stampede match um there was a few others that weren't so great as well but yeah no i think bulldog as a consistent presence for that first half of the in your house era is well, a, look at is it this lock. way i've got a list of the main events okay and in the in the main in yep. the first nine in your houses bulldog is in five main events oh wow um there you go, they are they go in in order um diesel versus sid diesel versus sid um, two dudes with attitude versus what became Yoko and Bulldog. Diesel versus Bulldog. Brett versus Bulldog. Brett versus Diesel. Sean versus Diesel. Sean versus Bulldog. And then Camp Cornet versus. Oh, here, would you get this? According to Wikipedia, it's Camp Cornet, Vader, Owen, and the Bulldog against the team of Sean Michael, Psycho Sid, and Ahmed Johnson, who were called. Say that again. They were called what? Vader, Sid, it's, Oh, no, um... Sean, Sid, and Ahmed Johnson. What was their team name? Hold on, let me just try and bring this. I would never Sid have got this in a years. I don't know if this is someone that has put this on Wikipedia making it up, or whether they said it once on television and someone has gone, oh, that's obviously what they're called. According to Wikipedia, it says Camp Cornet, Vader Owen and the British Bulldog versus the People's Posse. Oh, good heavens, yeah. You know, I was Sean Michael, close. Psycho Sid and Ahmed Johnson. I have no recollection of the People's Posse. Do you? No, I think someone's, at all. That's someone's totally made the wiki, I think, on that one. That's an official phrase for that. Anyway, but more importantly, we, we can see Bulldog in so many big matches at that at that stage. Um, I think it would be churlish to uh, to not include him, or, or at least yeah, have him in agreed. the combo. So I would would you? So we have a five at the moment. So we have in no order: Sean, Brett, Bulldog, Foley, and Undertaker. So that would be. I think that would be. I would be content with that five. But we do have a couple more contenders to see if they can break them. I think we need to suggest that that is our 
temporary um, top five and see if our other ones can get through. So let's uh, over to you then. Give me give me another name and uh, let's see if we can uh, knock someone else off with who you're suggesting. Okay. So let me give you another. Let's throw a curveball in there, shall we? Let's go with. Let's go with a man who's not even a wrestler. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's go with someone. You know, we said, we said at the right at the start of this that you don't have to be, it's not all about matches, it's not all about moments, it could be about presence, it could be about you know iconography. What? I, I think I you know, know where I, I'm going I know with who it, you're going you? to say. <laughs> I think, go on. Go, well, I'd put it this way if it's not a wrestler, oh, well, there's, there's two ways you could go here. There's two. I don't. I don't think you're going to say a commentator because when I think commentary teams for in your house, I think probably Vince at the start. There'd be a bit of Mr. Perfect in there, a bit of the King, but obviously he was wrestling in the early ones. There's probably even a Doc Hendricks in there. Then obviously it becomes Jr. and the King. But I don't think of like you think of Saturday Night's main event. You think of Vince and Jesse, or there's a certain or or you know or Tuesday night or whatever you you know Tuesday Night Titans or whatever you think of Monsoon and and the Brain. And later on, Raw, you think of JR and the King. You know, or SmackDown, even you think of Michael Cole and Taz. There's certain shows where you think of a team. I don't think of an in-your-house team, so I don't think you're talking about announcers. So the, I can only see you going two ways. Either you're going to say Sunny, because she's very well-known of that sort of 95 to 97, or 96, really, uh, onwards era, as being very WWE. But I don't think of her as any in-your-house moments. So if you're not going to say Sunny, I think you're going to say Todd Pettengill. Ah, you've got it! You've got it, and really, it's just for that, just for that whole thing in your house. One to me, the whole in your house brand is so garish and mid '90s, and and it's so Todd Pettengill. Like it was almost like as if he was born to host that thing. Um, and I'm telling you, if we don't get an appearance on Saturday with the guy, I am disgusted. What do you think? Do you think? Can we talk about Todd Pettengill, or is it ridiculous? Well. N- there's not a lot no, I mean, to listen, say. Listen, to fair, I'm, I'm happy but... to have the conversation about him um, in terms of, you know, admiration. I love the guy. I think he was tremendous at what he did. Bear in mind, I think, I'll whisper it to the uh, to the audience, but Paul is a little bit older than me. But I I can particularly remember, you know, around about Wrestle WrestleMania Nine is the first WrestleMania I can really remember, like properly looking forward to. I, my first ever show was SummerSlam 91, but I was an intermittent viewer up until then. I, I, I think we got Sky just before WrestleMania 8, um, so I didn't really have the build-up to it. And I think actually WrestleMania 8 was on Sky Movies, I think, rather than on Sky Sports. So um, I don't think Correct. I had Sky Movies at the time. But by the time I got to WrestleMania 9, I was watching everything. I knew everything about the, the, all the shows. I watched them all. And WWF Mania was a huge deal in coming up to WrestleMania 9 because Raw had just started we didn't get Raw in this country for at least a couple of years before, uh, you know, after it started and WWF Mania was to me the start of the weekend, it was Saturday morning you got an update on all your wrestling stuff um, it showed you what was happening on Raw and that was completely Pettengill, so he is my he is my conduit, you know, where some people have Mean Gene or they might even have Sean Mooney or whatever, to me my conduit through wrestling was, was Todd Pettengill he was, he was my Des Lynam, if you will and it's Mate, I'm totally, totally with you. The first time I got, you know, I got into wrestling in 91, really into 92, but the first time I could watch it with any sort of regularity was was in sort of early 93, just just as the Raw era started, really. And as you say, we didn't get Raw, we got Mania. But I watched it on a Friday night. I went round to my friend Lawrence Brown's house 
and watched Wrestle uh, watched WWF Mania every Friday night and it was it was a revelation. I still remember the one where where Todd Pettengill comes into the studio. He comes into the tape room, didn't he? Well, that in that tape room, yeah. In that in that broadcast studio. You won't believe what happened on Monday Night Raw this week, and it was like, it was just like he was he was so excitable, and he had such an a way of hyping the show without selling the farm mm. straight away. And like, I remember that Shawn Michaels. Um, lost the intercontinental title to Ritz Marty Jannetty and on the same Raw you got the one two three kid beating Razor Ramon it blew my mind the same mind. show and Todd Pettengill wow it was the same show it was the same show and Todd Pettengill just he's the man who framed all those moments from Raw because really Raw you know we got to see the best bits of Raw back in the day and Pettengill was our like you say our conduit and He's the man. Like, I just want, yeah, like you say, I just wanted to sort of give a heads up for Todd Pettengill because I thought he was absolutely stunningly good at what he did um, in that era for WWF. And that, you know, he, he just reminds me so much of In Your House. Everything about him screams well, I mean, Yeah, I, I'm, I'm finding it hard to disagree with you here. Cause I mean, because <laughs> I just assumed that we were going to do the five best wrestlers in In Your House or the people you're most associated with wrestling during In Your House. But... I have to say, right, for example, I'll tell you who the next person I was going to say. I was going to say Stone Cold. I was, we need to have a chat about Stone Cold Steve Austin. Because in the latter days yeah. of the uh, the In Your Houses, certainly from around the, sort of the stampede onwards, you know, Austin is the man in WWE, and therefore, you know, he needs to come up in, in the chat. But if you say to me, who do I most associate with In Your House, Stone Cold Steve Austin or Todd Pettengill, do you know what? It's Todd Pettengill. Now... It's, no. I, I feel like we're going to put up a top five list and people are going to go, how can you say Todd Pettengill and not put Steve Austin in? Or how can you not put in, you know, whoever else, Goldust or whatever? But, you know, we're talking about what we... what we. I'm not certain I don't think about Henry Godwin and Hunter Hearst Helmsley more than I think of Sean, uh, and Steve Austin. Do you know what I mean? Because of the, the, yeah, the nature do, of the early in your houses. And again, I know I'm waiting this wrong. I know I'm doing it wrong because I'm thinking too much of the early stuff and that's not fair on my part but oh crikey I'd be, I'd be tempted with Todd we're, we're going to need to come back to it when we do the five we're going to definitely need to come back to it I think that's a, a conversation that we might need to put on hold for, uh, for the time being let's mop up the other wrestlers I've just mentioned Austin I've mentioned Triple H I've mentioned well not Triple H but Hunter Hearst Helmsley I've mentioned Henry O. Godwin um, I don't really consider those two but the one I would think about um, I would want to, you know, consider thinking about is um, is Diesel. You know, D- it, Diesel Diesel is the champ yep. when it starts. Um, Diesel is the man that's all over, you know, the first few shows. You know, and obviously he leaves part way in. He probably doesn't even last more than a year of the In Your House run. But in the inception of it, I absolutely consider Diesel to be the man at that point. By the way, it's a topic for another day, but I don't think Diesel's anywhere near as bad a champion as people say. I think this WWE were in a slump, or WWF were in a slump. The marketing wasn't so good. The depth of the talent roster was almost non-existent. It had become very cartoony. It wasn't what people were looking for. Nitro came along. There's lots of reasons why the company was struggling at that point. I don't think Diesel and or Brett are the reason for that. I think they're pretty strong at what they do. And so I don't look down on Kevin Nash's run as Diesel quite the way some other people do, simply looking at the numbers. I think he was a pretty good babyface champ. And he might not have been the greatest wrestler of all time, but I, I thought he carried the company relatively well. 
and so because of that, because he is on so many of those early in your houses, I think we have to consider him. Yeah, I think so too. Like he's never going to be on there for the quality of his matches on its own, but even with that, you know, the then he was the first challenger as we mentioned earlier for Shawn Michaels after WrestleMania 12 when Michaels won the title. And I tell you what, if you ask me to watch his match at WrestleMania 12 with Bret Hart every day all day on a loop or you ask me to watch his match with Diesel all day on a loop I'm going with the Diesel match every single time I thought it was, fan- I thought it was fantastic um, Diesel was a guy who had great presence like there's no denying it and he, and I agree with you I thought he was a great champion he he fit the mould he was, he was a big mean cool guy who people got behind like people did like Diesel as champ Um He's the misfortune he had, I think, is he was his title reign was a pivot around the change in in what WWE was trying to offer. When he started in '94, it was all about that new generation. He was a poster child for it. But a year later, they were already looking towards attitude. And as Diesel proved in the NWO, he could have easily been that guy, mm. but he wasn't. He wasn't in that role, so he started to look old hat as uh, as Big Daddy Cool. But in terms of a guy you want to carry your belt and look good on posters which was so important back then yeah the you know yeah the business wasn't great but as you quite rightly say even back then it was an outdated method to pin business on the shoulders of one guy who was a champion you know that wasn't true any time after certainly after Hogan lost you know was in when he's in his pomp you know that was true when champions drew houses and and it was all about drawing fans to the arena. That was true when it was the name on the marquee. But as soon as you get into the era when pay-per-views are the, are the seller and then weekly television is the driver, forget it. It's, it's, it's a mison- mis- misnomer. It's about, the, it's about the, the company as a whole. And the company as a whole was floundering badly in that period. I don't put much of any blame of that on Diesel's shoulders. Um, and and I thought he was good. I thought and like you know he had he had some really decent matches. Christ, the guy had a good match with a watchable match mm. with Sid uh, at the first in your house. He was a guy who could easily be carried, and he knew his role as a big man, and he played it well. It's, you remember, it's hard to think about this, but to be a face, especially a main event face, who's also a, a, a guy as big as Diesel, is tough. Because how can you possibly look the underdog, which you know most most faces who are successful have to look in peril. That is what that is what an, an, a protagonist. That is what a good guy. That is in all forms of entertainment. That is how you draw people into the story by putting peril on your hero. You couldn't really do that very well with Diesel, but they he tried. You know he he found other ways to get around it, and you just backed him because he was a cool dude who ran roughshod over everyone. That has a shelf life. But look, but it coincided with what he, what what these matches with in your house did. And yeah, I think he's he's absolutely valid to be in. I the think it's very interesting when you look at Diesel's history, and you look at who he wrestled as champion, right? So you go through Rum, Rumble '95, Brett draw, um, and then you go, what would be next? Or the big shows anyway. Mania, Shawn Michaels, bit Shawn Michaels. Him. Uh, who did he wrestle at King of the Ring? Uh, King of the Ring. Was that the one where? Sorry, we're into we're in WrestleMania. King of the Ring. We're King of the Ring '95. Eleven. So King of the, So it would have been where he tagged up with Bam Bam Bigelow against. Sure, Tom it would. Chris okay, Sid. so it's not even a defense. Not even a title defense. SummerSlam is Mabel, right? 
and then yep. by the time we're back to Survivor Series, it's Brett again. So I'm, I'm not I'm not including in your houses for the time being, um, but in terms of the big big events, Diesel has had four title defenses, two against a babyface, you know, in Brett, and one against Sean, who we all admit it didn't really work at WrestleMania because Sean worked as a babyface on that particular day. Um, so yep. you know that's a, you know that's one in particular that it, it doesn't really. It, all of his narrative, it's not Hogan, is it? It's not Hogan wrestling Earthquake and Bundy and, you know, whoever else that you would just rattle through all of these Hogan opponents. Diesel didn't have all these heels. He had a big guy like Mabel. And other than that, they, and then obviously there's the Sid stuff from uh, from the In Your Houses. But other than that, he had a real paucity of, of heels to work with. Yes, he did. Um, you know, he was, he was much younger than Hogan was. Like, the, the comparison is fair in that they were going for the same vibe. But he never had the power or the control that Hulk Hogan had and he was very much get what you're given um, kind of in the in the current mould really and obviously that changed towards the end with the power he got through the click but I, I think he was very much happy to be in the spot um, I, I, I just I just think he's vastly underrated I think history looks back really unkindly just based on one metric yeah I don't think it's even a power thing you know I think if you just look at the fact that um, it's, it's who they had around and I'm not saying for example all of Hogan's op- opponents, had they all faced Nash, it would have been the same sort of thing. But if you just look up and down that roster, you know, it was complete. It was it was such a babyface roster. Yeah. That whole roster True. had Diesel, and it had Brett, and it had Luger, you know, and it had the- and it had Bulldog before he turned. Ramon. It- and it had Razor. Yeah. And it was it was it was such a babyface roster. And Sean was a heel, but. You know, they, the world was crying out to, uh, you know, to have him as a babyface, and he only went baby after WrestleMania, and then you could bring in Sid. Yep. You know, you know, Sid, Sid became the the heel that would. But if so, if you look through back to our topic, if you look through the early in your houses, in terms of heels, it's sort of dominated by Sid, and then the Camp Cornet that comes in when yeah. Vader comes in in '96, when Bulldog turns, when Owen gets up the list a little bit. So, you know. I don't think we can include them necessarily, but I think it's worth actually a little note of of Jim Cornette and his little faction, which I think I thought did its job quite nicely. It's what I would call a stable rather than a a faction yeah, or a um, or or a group, you know. And it's not like this in the same sense as like the Horsemen or something. It's more of a, sta- a manager's stable, more like the Heenan family. Yeah. But but um, Cornette was a very important figure around then. I, I'm not saying he's one for our list of five, but if we were going down the, the, the route of other people other than wrestlers, like we've already you know, floated the idea of Mr. Pettengill, actually Jim Cornette would not be the silliest suggestion. If we had to do a top ten, I think Cornette would be on my he list. He wouldn't be the silliest suggestion, but he's a man that I don't want to give any oxygen to in 2020, well, so, uh, yeah. Well, well to be, you know, we, we have put... Last week we, you know, or two weeks ago, we, no, no, last week we did have WrestleMania 20. Well, there, we so did, but I think not, we... in terms of not giving people oxygen, we are talking about something that happened in, in a certain time bubble rather than uh, what their opinions happen to be. Just True, now. just a little bit raw, that's all. And um, I did like, you know, talking to the faction. I thought, yeah, the stable. You rightly say, yeah, they were they were right there, weren't they? They were those three, Sid, Mabel, for a time. They they made up the backbone of the workers, didn't they? For um, for the heel side, I'm not including Mabel in that working list, by the way. But yeah, they, no, yeah, they they provided that sort of rotating uh, bunch of opponents for the mid card, upper mid card, main event. So yeah, it's a good shout. Yeah. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be the worst thing to put him in on the uh, yeah Yokozuna as well, of course. 
Yokozuna briefly as well, because obviously that's how Owen ends up with Camp Cornet because yes. of say, uh, yes. Yoko coming yeah, back. Yeah. But uh, I don't think Yoko was anywhere near the uh, the force of old. Um, right, okay. There's really, I think, one name that we need to we need to cover off, and we need to decide. I don't think we need to do any lengthy discussion of him as a wrestler, as a draw, as a star. But uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, from 1997 through to 1999, the second half of the In Your House era, yep. was the biggest star in the company, the biggest star on the planet, uh, and the focal point of the WWF. How did he do enough at In Your House events specifically to break him through onto this list? I, I honestly think he did. Um, okay. I, you know, I think for the, the two, the, would I say standouts? Yeah, I guess I would. The two standouts for Austin, I suppose, were matches that weren't the spotlight wasn't solely on him obviously he was a big part of the Canadian stampede he was the focal part of that non-Canadian team you can't really call them faces or heels can you um, but the non-Canadian team and the other one um, and probably a, a match we should have maybe mentioned earlier when we were talking about best in your house matches was that final four match in uh, February yes, 97 where you got uh, Austin Bret Hart Vader and The Undertaker um, mm-hmm. it was meant to be originally wasn't it for the number one contender spot at Wrestlemania but then when Shawn Michaels lost his smile it became for the title it did and then it was Brett's very short title reign because he won that match and then lost quite quickly to uh, to Sid and yeah. his plans changed yeah, once again right. but um, funny how things develop but yeah that is a little bit I wouldn't say a forgotten classic because I think people you know do remember it and I'm not, I'm not sure it's a classic but it's a very good match it's a it's it's probably I would dare say the first example of a very strong multi-man match. Yeah, probably right there. In in terms, of, I mean, again, someone will show me a, a New Japan match, or someone will show me an ECW match. I get that. I get other companies were doing things before um, WWF, and I'm sure. And in fact, there certainly were, you know, what they call triangle matches in WCW before 1997 when. Um, WWF did this, but I feel like it's the first, you know, on a big scale, memorable multi-person match that isn't something like a rumble or a tag match. So I'm, I'm talking a triple threat or a, or a fatal four-way as they've become known. Um, so yeah, I mean, anyone that was in that, you know, that that's another notch for Taker. It's another notch for Brett. I mean, I don't think Vader did enough on other shows to be considered on this list, but yeah, I mean, that that's where you start with Austin, really, isn't it? You start from that yeah. point in terms of his in terms of his in your house. Uh, legend. I mean, no other things before that. Again, it's strap matches with Savio Vega and and the like. But he's probably in, you know, in enough of them and in a prominent enough position in enough of them certainly to uh, to warrant the discussion. I don't think we need to go a lot deeper, do we? I don't. I don't think it's something no, we need to dig around. We all we all we all know what Austin's about. Not really. Um, you know, obviously the other, the other two to mention in terms of in your house, uh, to, for completion's sake, is the the pair of matches you had with Taker. Uh, one being Taker's first defence maybe second defence um, after he won the title against Sid in 97 that was it in your house that was a, that was a good match um, and then it was the Buried Alive match with Taker which was less good but um, by then Austin was a very prominent uh, player on the card and it was it was the main event of, a, of, a, of an in your house I suppose it's, it's noteworthy rather than a really good match yep Okay, right, so what we need to do is confirm this final five. So we're agreed, aren't we, that Brett and Sean are nailed on one and two in and Todd order. Pettengill. <laughs> you, you're, you're very keen on that, aren't you? Joking. Let's have a chat. But yeah, you know, I'm kidding. You're right, Brett and Sean, 
Brett, Brett and Sean, and then we need to get three from Taker, Foley, Bulldog, Diesel, and Austin, brackets, and Todd Pettner. <laughs> so say them again to me, sorry. Undertaker, Foley, Bulldog, Diesel, Austin. They are the five. Right. We have to get three out of those five, assuming we don't do the Toddster. Although I'm, you know, I am... I am I'm tempted. I am tempted. Oh, let's stick him on. It could be fun. If there was, if there was, if there was a clear five, I would understand not having him on. But to be honest, the bunch of guys below you could make a you can make a solid argument for any three of them to take up those last spaces. So let's just let's just produce me a daft and put Pettengill on the show. Oh, okay. Come on. Well, we're assuming he, we're assuming not only is he not good. Are people going to go down the Boaty <laughs> McBoatface route now? Maybe. And Todd Pettengill wins in a landslide. Oh, wouldn't I don't that know. be good? Wouldn't that be great? Well, let's well, let's see. Let's I'm, see. I'm I'm a little bit worried that gets hijacked in the sense that uh, <laughs> people do the boat. They vote for the silly one to for, well, look, for silliness. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, would it, Rob? It might get some no, notoriety. I mean, do you know what, mate? There are worse things going on right now. Well, yes, the well, yeah, America's rioting. And you know, there's you know, and bushfires in America, Australia at the start of the year, and we've had a global pandemic. But oh, Todd Pettengill getting voted in—that's the worst <laughs> thing that's happened in 2020. Uh, okay, let's okay, let's do two then. Let's get two out of the five, and then we'll discuss. Two out of the so five. Who is our, who's who's our next two? So, we, so you got Sean and Brett are in. Sean, who's our two out of five? So you got Taker, Austin, Bulldog, Foley, and Diesel. Diesel. If it were entirely up to me. Oh, it's really tough. It really genuinely is tough. I'm going to say... I'm going to stick Foley in there as one of mine. I'll tell you what, the other match we haven't mentioned of him, one of my favourite matches. If anyone asks me for a hidden gem of a match that nobody else will mention and I want to look all clever and hipster and knowing, it's the uh, breakdown triple threat cage match between him, Shamrock and The Rock. Excellent match with a great finish, but there you go. That's just I I'm I would stick maybe Foley in there and uh t- and I Taker. Think, I yeah I would do t- I would do Taker as well. I would do Taker as well. So we're agreed on Taker. Um, I'm agree. I agree. I think I agree with you on Mick. I think the mind the mind games match alone, you know, needs to be recognised. I just think I think when it comes down to I, I would play head to head to head and say. Um, did Mick do more than? Oh, see, then there's Austin. Oh, this is this, this is so difficult. So I'm, in, in my heart, I want the bulldog to be on this list. I know, I know what you mean. I want, and I'm and I'm struggling really to find the case for it to be to be for him to be really high enough, because I want to say that you know you have to go. Well, what did what did bulldog do more than say Diesel? I think you can have bulldog ahead of Diesel. To, to me, yes, I, mean, I would say Diesel main main events a lot of those early things. But again, could you put someone else in that position? Are they memorable feuds? Are they memorable matches? Not really. It's just who happens to be the top man around those times. Yeah. Whereas you can think about what Brett did, you think about what Sean did, and to an element, you put in Undertaker for the final four for the Buried Alive stuff and for the Hell in a Cell. You put in Mick Foley for the match you've just mentioned, the Buried Alive stuff, the matches with Taker, the matches with Sean. There's more of a body, isn't there, for, for both Foley and for Taker yep. you can say here are our examples why do you think this here are our examples and I think you can spread your arms wide I'm not convinced you can do that with Diesel so I think he would be the first one I would I would move away from the scene and I think 
you know, if, if we are keeping it to, to wrestlers, if we move Diesel out and we move Pettengill out, it is a fun thing to say, but let's face it, it is only selling a house on the first one, isn't it? Yeah. If yeah. we were doing the, the, the epitome of 90... If we were doing the new generation, the epitome of 90s WWE or WWF, then I think he might have even more of a case because I think part of his deal was mania and interviews at pay-per-views and vo- he's a very good voiceover guy. You know, he's a very good vo- recap voiceover guy. Um, but again, I don't, f- I don't feel it's, it's anything past the, the the first in your house with that bloody great um, tub of um, letters. And actually, here's the thing. Do you know what? If you have to put in Todd Pettengill, maybe you have to put in Stephanie Wyan. <laughs> Well, maybe you would. Are you are you are you talking us out of Pettengill? I I think I think I am. Well, it's for two Spoiler twofold. Sport. One, I'm not absolutely certain how much he deserves to be in there, and two, I just <laughs> I think if you put him on the list, I think he he might win. <laughs> through, I think he might, but clearly he doesn't deserve to win. Like I think he might, you know, I I think people might do. I'll I'll vote for him to be silly. It's a little bit like putting what's the best match at WrestleMania 17 and the gimmick battle royal wins. Do you know what I mean? Just for people asking about, and it's um, I'm not I'm not crazy about that. I think we could maybe acknowledge that he on a, on a tweet or something we can acknowledge that Todd Pettengill only just missed out, but I would like to keep that. I think there are enough deserving contenders that we ought. That's to... That's the difference between you and I. Set, laid out very starkly there, Rob. Um, no, I can't really argue too too much. But let's go. Um, all right. So are we... okay, it's Aust- it's Austin or Bulldog, I think, isn't it? Well, for me, it's Austin. I think think reluctantly you're right I am right and it's one of those where you want to we want to look winning and different by saying a bulldog because we don't think anybody else will go with it we want to to shoehorn a case in there don't we but ultimately Austin's body of work is more impressive than the bulldogs in your house that's what it boils down to you're, you're kind of right you're kind of right but again I go back to my issue of I see in your house as being the first 16 in your house sure. in my brain. I know what you mean. And I've already said that he headlined five of the first nine. Obviously, he was in um, the Canadian Stampede as well. So with that being forensic, he was in at least six out of the first 16 main events. And I think that when In Your House became a thing, he was a big deal. He helped hold it together. And he's got some really great moments, like his matches with Brett and his matches with... Um, Michaels and being in the in the stampede. I think I think Bulldog's bigger moments stand out as being bigger moments than Austin. Well, listen. However, oh, sorry. However, I absolutely respect what you're saying about Steve and how long he was around for and how important he is to all that that era. I just think, to me, the question is who is Mister in your house. And I think I associate I associate Bulldog within your house more than I associate Austin within your house. Nothing to do with who's got a better body of work, who is more important to the company. It's just word association. But I suppose if I'm doing that, you'll start to say, well, I associate Todd Bettengill with it. No, no, <laughs> look, look I, I actually think your Bulldog argument is very convincing. I don't agree, but you're the host and I would have no issue with you putting forward a case for Bulldog I think that stat about how many main events was it is in is really compelling actually I would never have thought that um, but I think you know that is that is certainly a head turner so if you want to put in Bulldog I'm not going to put up an argument I will keep it in my back pocket to play a, to play a trump card on it down the line and remind you that I was gracious step aside but I don't think I certainly won't have any arguments 
Oh, so you're trying to make me feel bad. He's trying to double bluff uh, no, me. No, 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 not at all. I suppose the other thing on your side of the equation, and this is maybe not something we should consider, but going forward, looking at the topics we've got in the future and something we might have, I would suggest that Austin will feature more heavily than Bulldog going forward. Yeah, well, and he won last week. Do you know what yeah. I mean? He, 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 was one, he won two weeks ago, I beg your yeah. pardon. Um, and when we did the WrestleMania thing last week, I am reminded that I came up with an argument at some point and you went, pause, uh, you've got me beaten now. <laughs> and you, you realise I'd trust you up like a chicken. This week you're not saying no, I've beaten you, you're saying that you'll happily step aside. Is it? I think we probably ought to draw it to a conclusion one way or another and say, I think this is going to be a, a two-horse race and I think if it came down to it, we could probably do a one-hour podcast of you saying Shawn Michaels and me saying Bret Hart and I think you know this 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 vote could easily end up being 45% one of them 44% another yep easy you know and 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 then the remaining 11% being made up of like you know four for Taker three for Mick and two for Bulldog sort of thing I, I think I think if you if you consider you know what we're considering in terms of the body of work the association with the the brand I think it's very hard for anybody to make a case for Undertaker over Shawn for Mick over Brett, for Austin over Sean, for Diesel over Brett. I think it's just too hard for anyone to make a, uh, you know, I think if they put, again, maybe it's a slight, slightly to take away from the possibility of just fans voting for their favourite, but um, if you put Austin in, people might be more tempted to vote for Austin because they like Austin. Do you see what yeah, I mean by 100%. that? And it's, uh, and it's, you know, if, if we were doing, you know, Know, greatest mullets and we put in Stone Cold Steve Austin he ain't going to win because he ain't got no barnets but there would be still people who would say he's my favourite wrestler tick and, it's, and I don't think it's too many people but it's I just I, I, you know, so I sometimes am concerned about the you know, the blindness of the vote and I, I think if we did it I think if we stick him in he might take votes away from those that ought to really get it but I'm, I am I do realise I, I am now <laughs> scrabbling around for more reasons let's, to justify let's, you, let's stick, you letting me put Davey Boy in no justification needed my friend let's stick him in Let's go. so, let, so that makes our final five Brett, Sean, Foley, Undertaker and the British Bulldog sounds pretty good to me yeah yeah and I will, I will get and I'll justify my point on that by saying I think the in your house colon something else shows are more in your housey than the other shows that have the, the title first within your house afterwards I know we said we would take both into account but I do feel like the in your house events count for three points and the other ones count for two in an unofficial <laughs> point so, but I, I, I mean that though because if you say to me what's the most in your house show you know I'd probably say the first one in the, because it's the it was the brand new concept it's not the best one but it's the most in your housey do you see what I'm saying? It's the most on-brand. Is that, is that most... like when they only count stats in football from Premier League onwards? Yeah, it is. That's actually work, working okay now because it's now a, 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 um, a time enough. It's just an arbitrary point in time. You're basically saying the last 30 years, but you're not because it's, it's a couple afterwards. So it's, that's starting to work now. I thought you were going to say more. It's about stats like expected goals or <laughs> rubbish like that. That's not, nothing to do with football. That is just giving people that have work, stat, work with statistics for a living more credence to their not knowing actually how football Correct. works. But never mind. That's, a, that's another point entirely. Hi, Matt Barber. We're doing lots of football this week. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, okay. We have the five. We have Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Undertaker, Mick Foley, and the British Bulldog. Um, sorry, uh, to Mr. Pettengill. 
Uh, you're still welcome on the show, by the way, if you'd like to come on and, and fight your own corner. S- same to Steve, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if Steve, Steve wants to come on. I Todd, mean, Todd, Todd Moore, yeah, yeah. Todd, I'd rather Todd speak to Todd. President, yeah, absolutely. Um, but Todd gets the uh, the interim president, and uh, Steve can uh, Steve can come on later if we if we've got time. I've got a busy week to be yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll but we'll, we'll maybe sque- we'll squeeze him in. We'll squeeze him in on the uh, the best bald with a goatee episode. Um, if Goldberg's not, like, if Goldberg and Gilberg are both unavailable. Yeah, and uh, um, Tank Tyson and Tom. Tank Abbott. Yeah, actually, that's not a bad episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Best best bald man with a beard. Best bald man with a beard. Arn Anderson, the one out of the what? revival. I don't. I never. I never know which. Arn Anderson's not bald. Uh, where balding is balding, wasn't he? He was oh, bald. Now you're stretching the, now you're stretching the it, definition completely. He had a Zin, Zinedine Zidane sort of bald oh from the top Lord. of his head. Oh balding. my lord! He's not even bald now. Do, do, do you know what? Here's the thing. Do, do, when you when you were young and you saw Arn Anderson and he was this. Grizzled oh, veteran. I know where you're going with this. Yes, and he was re- and he was retiring in 1997. He's, you're older than oh, him. Now. I know. You're, I know. Old, you're older than when Arn Anderson retired. How about I, that? I noticed that last year. I noticed I was the same age, and it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I, 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 that's an, an exact waypoint that I took on my life, and she went. <laughs> anyway, that aside, we have selected our five. Finally, it's been the. Uh, it's been a, quite a process, but we've managed to get to it. Uh, so it's now over to you, folks. Um, go to hookedonwrestling.co.uk and vote. Uh, we've kind of directed you where we think you should vote, but it is still entirely in your hands. Uh, and if we have an o- overwhelming amount of mail uh, insisting that Todd Pettengill is added to the list, uh, then we won't add him because we can't be bothered. Um, but you know, be, but it's nice of you to have written, and we appreciate your your taking your time. Um, so that's it uh, next week uh, it's another brand new topic we're very excited about what it's going to be uh, and we will announce it at some point over the weekend we have been announcing um, our podcast topics on our Friday night quiz but since the quiz is now going to be Sunday um, that sort of takes away the uh, yeah, much, the big reveal much doesn't it a bit so, earlier than that but so we'll we, we'll reveal it um, at some point around Thursday or Friday via our social media so uh, keep your eye out on that uh, for what we, this is probably the one that Paul and I have been the most excited about talking about from the very start of this podcast. Would you agree? I would. Me? I think we're probably going to have to strap in for a long one next week. It might even be a two-parter. Ooh, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll try and we'll try and we'll try and keep it down. Let's see what but, we uh, can do. We'll, we'll see how we get on, and uh, we may even just we're working on this, but we may even have uh, a little guest with us next week as well, yeah. just to. Uh, break it up from hearing our voices um what we should say is this is not the only podcast in town we have mentioned a couple of times that we have uh, other podcasts on the hooked on wrestling podcast network and this is absolutely the best one i'm not saying that any of the others <laughs> are as good as ours they're not this is the best this is the flagship i will however reluctantly say that this particular podcast is not endorsed by eric bischoff how good was that however however Eric Bischoff, the real Eric Bischoff, took to Twitter this week to say what a great listen because WCW was last week. We plugged on this show that the WC, because WCW podcast with Liam and Dean um, had uh, Guy, the writer of uh, Guy Evans, the writer of the Nitro book, on last week. We plugged that last week. What we didn't tell you, well, because we didn't know at the time, was that Eric Bischoff was going to listen and endorse it and say what a good show it was. So I would say, for someone that was... I think he was fairly in the know. He's, he's, I would say he would be up there for Mr. Nitro. 
Um, so fair play to Eric, um, who listened to the uh, WCW episode and enjoyed it. So um, Paul is going to tell you quickly how you can listen to that and a few other different podcasts. Very easily. So you can go to the Hooked on Wrestling website, which is hookedonwrestling.co.uk, and then go to the podcast page. So it's hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash podcast. Made a meal of that one, didn't I? So you can find us there. You can find Because WCW. We've got Seconds Away. It's Nighttime, which is a great podcast. Um, interviewing some of the great and the good of British wrestling past and present this week they're interviewing the UK Pitbulls if you ever went to a British wrestling show you probably the chances are you've seen them the, t- the, the biggest tag team in Europe um, they're great value for some rather off-colour stories um, from up and down the country uh, what else have we got we've got a hot tag wrestling podcast which is probably that's really the only one we do which covers the current scene covers raw covers preview of in your house all sorts of other bits and pieces so our up-to-date one um and then we've got three beers deep which is um, a little cheeky favorite of mine where uh we get we, we take a look at classic pay-per-views through the prism of the bottom of a few beer bottles so it's slightly slightly drunken classic pay-per-view reviews if that sounds great it's up your street if it sounds awful don't even bother because if you don't get it on that pitch it's not for you I've told you my only problem with that pitch is the, is the idea of being slightly drunken at three <laughs> beers that, so. I don't want to call them lightweights but uh, you know maybe cruiserweights anyway um, anyway yeah all good stuff and a variety as well we don't expect you to like all of them um, but it's the old circus thing if you don't like the juggler then you might like the clown so uh, I don't know what that makes me in all of this um, but uh, there's something for everyone I think there's a good range and uh, yeah plenty to listen to plenty to keep yourself occupied anyway we will be back uh, on this particular podcast next week with our brand new subject don't forget to go and vote you have your top five and a quick reminder that if you are a quiz person that it is not going to be Friday this week it is going to be on Sunday so Sunday at 8pm on Facebook Live and YouTube Live for this week's quiz a nice little thing to get you in the mood for uh, NXT in your house which we'll also be covering in depth on the website anything to add Paul before we leave them for this week no that's all Um, you know guys thank you for continuing to support on the website which is continues to amaze how well it's doing Um, if anyone's listening to this thanks to the team thanks Rob Um, and we'll we'll speak to you all on Sunday hopefully we will indeed it's uh Thank you very much to, uh, to Paul and to everyone for listening. And just remember, it's all about knowing how to be great, but mainly it's all about wrestling and enjoying it. We'll see you next week.